listening to this week's message from Freedom Church. For more info on Freedom, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening. I'm, I'm super, super pumped to start this series, okay? Um, I didn't put two and two together when we created this series that I'd be in Rwanda. But um, so we're going to preach this message today. And then the next two messages you're going to hear are going to be from Pastor Tony. Um, I'm basically writing those messages, putting them in his hands. He's going to put his twist on it. But I'm going to tell you, you, you need to hear this information. Like you need, it doesn't matter what source it's coming from. You need to hear what the Lord is unpacking in this. And so I invite you to, to stick with this. Like come on Sundays. And my goodness, if you can't be here, please watch the playback online. You need the information here because God has something for you in this series uh, that I think is going to change your life forever. And I want you to tap into that. Amen. Um, there's, a, there's a lie that's permeated our culture. And what it's done is it's, it's fed upon the individualistic nature of the Western church, especially Americans. I'm talking about us over here in America. There's this lie. And what this lie has done, it's created a series of traits that are absolutely detrimental to your growth as a Christian. And even your growth as a moral person, just as a good person, these, these traits Try to stop that. And the lie circles around this notion that we don't need anyone. That we're self-sufficient. That, that everything we need to live the life that we want to live is already here within ourselves. You hear people say stuff like, I got myself into this mess. I can get myself out of it. Well, I'm going to tell you what, brother. If you think that, then you don't need Jesus. Okay? We, none of us can do that. And if you could fix your problems, you'd already fix them by now. Come on, somebody. Right? Well, I just deal with this addiction. I thought you could fix it. You know what I'm saying? Like these traits include things like like selfishness, like arrogance, like entitlement. Yeah. And while we think we have what it takes internally to become something, what we actually get is frustration, failure, and isolation. Even in those moments when we might attain some level of success through our own ability, it always comes at a meaningful cost, doesn't it? Doesn't it always cost you something? We trade our time. We trade our sanity. We trade our peace. Hey, we trade our families. Two more hours of overtime means 40 more bucks in my pocket or 100 more bucks in my pocket. But you've traded two hours of family time, two hours of tucking kids in. Because of this lie, it's driven us to prove one thing, that we alone are enough. Let me ask you a question. Are you enough? Are you enough? If, if you were to stand before me right now, and I were to draw a circle around your feet, would what's inside of that circle be enough? Would it, would it be enough for your family? Would it be enough uh, for what you want to see as far as what you might consider as successful? Do you have in your circle around you right now everything that you need to be the successful person that you see in your mind? Do you, do you have everything? Do you have enough inside that circle to become everything God created you to be? In Genesis 1.27, we see God create man. And then in Genesis 2.5-7, we kind of get a, a, a closer, more detailed image of that. And the Bible says in, verse, in chapter 5, uh, in verse 5, excuse me, when no bush of the field was yet in, in the land and no small plant... Uh, of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground. A mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord formed the man of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, 
and the man became a living creature. You know, something that I want you to know right now that I haven't really had in my notes, but something you probably need to hear is that not only do you need what's outside of your circle, that the things around you, the land around you, the environment around you needs you too. Because if you notice in the scripture, it just says that God had not caused rain yet. So that meant there was no bush and there was no man to till the ground. Some of you right now are in a holding pattern in your lives because you're not ready and the rain's not ready and the ground's not ready. So if you will get ready, God will take care of the rest. Before the fall. This is what we're talking about here. All of this we just read is before the fall. Man is in perfection. Perfect. But then look at Genesis 2.18. The Lord God said, it's not good that man should be alone. I'll make a helper for him. Hey, remember, we're before the fall still. We're still in perfection. Adam was created perfect in perfection. So why did he say he needed a helper? Why was there a deficit in Adam if he was created in perfection? Because even in perfection, if you want to reach your potential, it requires something outside the circle around your feet. Adam was in perfection. We are far from it. And if your boy Adam needed to go outside the circle, don't you think you need to go outside the circle? That can be scary sometimes though, can't it? Going outside the circle means you have to open up to people and let them in. Some of y'all like y'all's castle walls. You know what I'm saying? Like they keep the right people out. Sometimes when you open up, though, people get to look in the castle and see really what's going on. And then your facade is gone. Then you can't wear your your mask at church anymore. Can I just say something to be honest with y'all? Humans are really bad at mask wearing. We always know you're wearing a mask. And typically we can see through it. You know what I'm saying? Like we're really bad at it. You have to be willing to face the truth that you might not be as perfect as you thought. You, you might have to change some things in your life. This is what happens when we open up, and that's terrifying. You might find selfishness or entitlement. You might find bad ideologies that need to die. But you know what? You might find that there is a deficit in some good stuff that you need. Just like with Adam, Eve was not a bad thing. Eve was a good thing, a blessing to him. And so it's not always that you don't have what's in your circle and that means that, you know, like you've got some bad stuff in there. No, sometimes it means that God wants to put some stuff inside of you. I can remember asking God in 2019 when he called me to plant this church. I said, God, when I was 19 years old and I surrendered to ministry, I told you I didn't want to be 40 before I was planting the church you wanted me to plant. Why did you make me wait till I was 40? He said, I had to work some stuff out of you and I had to work some stuff into you. Some of y'all right now are just in a process of God working some stuff in and working some stuff out. And you're upset that you're not further along than you are. Hey, be cool with where you are. All right. Be content, not complacent, but be content knowing that God is working things into you and he's working things out of you. And if you got what he wanted to give you right now, you'd wreck it. You might find selfishness or entitlement. You might find bad ideologies. You might find good processes that need to come inside. But here's the trade-off. Either choose to stay inside the circle and limit your potential or go outside the circle and reach your potential. What's it going to be? So I've tried to convince you that you need to go outside your circle. So in a last-ditch effort to do that, let me, uh, let, me, let me present basically to you every single person in the entire 66 books of the whole Bible. Literally every person, even Jesus needed what was outside of the circle. Now, we don't like to think about God needing something, okay? And so perhaps when it comes down to the deep truths of theology, yeah, maybe God doesn't need anything. But while Jesus was on earth, he knew that his time was limited. 
He knew he had a specific thing that he was supposed to do. Okay, he was, he was, His role was to bring the kingdom to earth through his death and resurrection. And he knew he'd be going to heaven after that. He knew he had a limited time. Jesus' role was not to be the pastor of the first church. That was James. It wasn't to be the expositor of the word. That was Paul. It wasn't to be the apostle leading the entire church. No, that was, that was Peter. Jesus had a role and a responsibility, and he needed people outside of his circle around his feet to accomplish that. The Bible tells us in Luke uh, chapter 5 that Jesus would steal away by himself to pray. I find it interesting that Jesus needed the apostles to accomplish the mission that he was sent to accomplish. But even in the process of needing the apostles, what did Jesus do? Look at uh, Luke 6, 12 to 13. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. See, he needed time with his, with his dad. Hey, listen, you need time with your dad. I'm not asking you to pray because it's your Christian duty. It's because you need to talk to your dad. You need to. And if you haven't, what are you doing? But you need to talk to him. But the second part of that is when the morning came, he called the disciples to him and chose the 12 of them who he also designated as apostles. What was he doing when he was praying? He was saying, hey, Dad, I need time with you, but also i got to pick these 12 dudes. Who you want to pick? <laughs> and when Father said, Peter, I bet Jesus was like, bruh, like, <laughs> come on. Like it or not, you cannot accomplish what God put you on earth to accomplish if you never go beyond your own circle. It's just... This uh, work that was written by a guy named John Donne. You probably heard the phrase, no man is an island. It's a beautiful poem if you ever get to read it. But one of the things it says is that it basically says that, that every man is a piece of the continent. And if one sod should fall into the sea, Europe is the less. What's that mean? That means we are all connected. We are all linked and united. And guess what? We need each other. You need the people around I me. Mean, just take a moment and look around. You need these people. Now, you don't need all of them. But you need some of them. So let me give you three reasons that you need to go beyond the circle. In spite of the fears of what people might think whenever they look inside your circle. In spite of the fears of opening up. In spite of the fears of putting your life back out there. Come on, y'all know betrayal only happens with close proximity. You know, so like I understand the fear of that. But you have to determine whether or not you want what's outside of the circle more than you want to stay put inside your circle. So let's talk about three things that you need uh, when you look outside the circle. First, when you look outside the circle, what happens is you grow. You need to do this so you can grow. John 15, starting in verse 1, says this, I'm the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I am him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Do you understand what Jesus is saying so far? If you ain't connected to him, you can't do anything. So already in the first five verses, Jesus is telling you, whatever is inside of your circle ain't enough. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown to the fire and burned. If you abide in me, my words abide in you. And, and you, you ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my, my commandments, you will abide in my love. 
just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you that you may have joy, that joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. That's amazing, isn't it? Hey, let me give you a little side note here. Jesus gives you a very clear pathway on producing fruit, abiding in God's love, and being full of joy. You ready for it? It's really, really simple. Obedience. That's it. I can't figure Christianity out. Do what he says to do. Well, that Bible is a lot in the Bible. <laughs> Get to reading, cuz. Like, I mean, seriously, like, if you want the benefit of the contract, you've got to know what's in the contract. Did you know something? We're going to Rwanda. Did you know that Verizon gives you 14 free days every, um, every year to go overseas international? And so once it starts, you get 14 days. They don't charge you extra. It's just 14 days. Once you go past that 14 days, it's $10 a day. Did you know how I found that out? I read the contract. You can read. <laughs> read the contract. That's how you abide. Obey. And listen, we don't obey to prove our love. We obey because we love. You know why I don't cheat on my wife? It ain't because there's a rule that says don't cheat on my wife. I love her. I don't want to hurt her. I don't want to cause her pain. The rule is just there as a, as like whatever. Like, okay, there's a rule. No, it's I don't want to hurt my wife. Why? Because I love her. Obedience becomes really easy when you're abiding in love. I only want to take a moment on all of this uh, because it should be very obvious, but you were not born as a complete package with zero needs. I don't know if you know this, but until you're probably about middle school, you need somebody for your basic needs. Now, I know some of you got 24-year-olds, like, we'll talk about that later. That's a whole different teaching. Until you graduate high school, you still need supervision. Yes, teenagers, I'm talking to you. Everybody, teenagers, listen up. You need supervision. Why do you want to check my phone? (laughs) Because you don't know what everything's out there. You know what I'm saying? Like, you need supervision. But even in adulthood, you need guidance. Now, a lot of adults think, especially when you turn 18, you're the smartest human being at 18. I'm convinced. I used to think, I know 17, 18 years old, I used to think my dad was the dumbest guy that ever walked. And then I turned like 22, 23, and I'm like, smartest man alive. The world will do that to you. Come on, adults. But beyond those things, you need training. You need education. You need resources. You need money. In this world, I'm sorry, but you need money to live in this world. Okay? You need to be known. You need to be loved. You need to be challenged. And we hate that last one. But guess what? You need someone to confront you when you're doing something wrong. Now, confront in love? Absolutely. Confront with a spirit of compassion? Absolutely. Not to just bash us. And listen, if you are constantly bashing and coming down on people because they're doing what you perceive is wrong, chill out. Nobody was ever one to the Lord having a Bible beat over their head. And if you don't want somebody telling you in an aggressive tone what you're doing wrong, you shouldn't tell somebody what they're doing wrong. We say this all the time at Freedom when we talk about people and talk about different things. It's simply this. It's not my job to beat you over the head with the word. It's my job to point you to your father. And if and when God wants me to help you with whatever you're struggling with, he will work with both of our hearts to make sure that that happens. My job is just to help you get close to your dad. Let him deal with all that. The Holy Spirit is the one that convicts, not the holy pastor. And I ain't holy, except my genes. I got a hole right there. Like, I'm not holy. I'm striving just like all the rest of you. I need somebody to confront me too. And I've got a group of guys in my life that'll say, hey, bro, I don't like how you're talking to yourself. Happened two, three weeks ago. 
They pulled me aside and said, hey, I don't like how you, so you denigrate yourself a lot. And I know you do it in jest, but you shouldn't do that. That's not a, that's not a jerk. That's somebody that loves me, that cares about me. I need that. I need godly people around me to encourage me when I'm on the right path. I need godly people around me to call out the bad and to speak life into the good. We need godly people. Everything we need, guys, is outside the circle. 2 Peter 1.3, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need to live a godly life. I quote this verse all the time. But look at the second part. We have received all of this by coming to know him, that's outside the circle, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. You need Jesus, okay? And if he isn't in your circle, you need to get in there ASAP, along with the Holy Spirit. Well, does it come at salvation or a second experience? I don't care. Pray now to receive the Holy Spirit. Don't fall for the trap that you don't need anyone or anything outside the circle. It's a trap. It's a trap. It is. If that's you today, then please hear me outside your circle, telling, the, telling you that you have needs and that Jesus and his church are here to help. I'm, look, just stop for a second. I know you're terrified of letting somebody in. But pick your pain. The pain of letting me see what's going on or the pain of continuing to live it. Pick your pain. This is about potential. This is about growth. That's what this is about. We don't want to look in your circle so we can go, ooh, you've got a nasty little circle in there. You know, no, that's not what we're doing. We want to look in because we want to help you and I want you to help me. We've got to break away from this hierarchical mess inside the church where the pastor is like holy walking across the cornfield. I'm a dude just like y'all. Well, some of y'all, half of y'all. I'm a guy. I just, I need help too. Do you want to grow? Do you? Have you ever seen the time lapse of a seed growing? I almost was going to play one today, but I just didn't feel like we had the time for it. What's amazing is that the seed will literally break in half. It goes in, the root shoots down, the, the, the little Pretty little shoot shoots up. I know you guys know what I'm talking about because y'all growing everything over there. Charles farm, whatever. So anyway, the, the, the shoot comes up and so you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Okay? It breaks apart. Yeah. Listen to me. Be wary of growth without breaking. If it's easy, it's probably not long term. Okay? And listen. <laughs> It might not be splitting you in two, but growth always changes something. Always. Plant growth is interesting because the whole job of the seed is to produce the root for the stability and nutrients. The shoot reaches up to the sunlight so that photosynthesis can take place. And from there, growing to the point where those nutrients can be used to produce a fruit filled with seeds that will either be consumed or fall to the ground to produce the next generation. Listen to me, church. Every stage of fruit production is about giving what's needed for the next stage to be successful. Yeah. Let me tell you something wrong with Christianity right now is that we think what's going on right now is for us right now. It's for what's next. The pain that you're enduring right now because God is working stuff out of you, it's awesome because it means that the breaking now means fruit tomorrow. We get so mad. Oh my goodness, Jesus is breaking me in half. You better thank the Lord. This is where most people get stuck. 
They don't realize that their growth is not about this stage. It's about the next one. It's not about receiving. It's about giving. A plant only receives in one stage so that it can give to the next stage. How how does this relate to what's going on outside the circle? Here it is. Growth is in the giving, not the receiving. This is so backwards in the church because all we do is come to church to get. We come to church to get. Receiving is self-focused. It's all about us, but giving is others-focused. No one has ever given something without thinking about to whom the gift was given. It makes you stop being selfish. Receiving requires the recognition of what you want, but giving requires the recognition of what other people want. It requires humility. It's, a, it's not about neglecting yourself. It's about prioritizing others. Uh, look at Christ's example of humility. Go to Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. It says this, So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not to only his own interests, but to also the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. What if your growth was being held up because you focused so intently on what was inside of your circle that you missed the nutrients that God set aside for you outside of your circle? Y'all know the little, the little funny story about the person gets lost on a desert island. They're praying to God, God, rescue me. And then a boat comes by and they're like, no, God's going to rescue me. And then a helicopter flies by and God's going to rescue me. And all of a sudden they die and they get to heaven. They're like, God, why didn't you rescue me? He's like, I sent a boat and a helicopter. Yeah. How silly that is to us is how silly we are when we refuse to reach outside the circle for help. What you need to grow is not in your circle. It's not. It's outside the circle. The getting trap is that if you don't take, 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 you won't have, have, have. That's orphan math, not God math. Ask me, I know. I was an orphan. For 37 years, I was an orphan. And getting was all I knew. Taking, receiving was all I knew. Because I felt like if I didn't have it, Come on, I've talked to other people in the church. It seems like everybody takes everything away from us. That's because my whole life I was so focused on inside the circle. But look at Proverbs 11.25. It's amazing how the word of God can change you. It says this, whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and the one who waters will himself be watered. See, that's God math, not orphan math. Because that don't make sense to an orphan. makes zero sense. You mean I got to give in order for God to... That's God math. Let me give you a paraphrase. You focus on giving and God will take care of your receiving. So why go outside the circle? Because if you don't, you won't grow. Let me give you another one. You go outside the circle to be poured out. To be poured out. I mentioned before that every stage of fruit production is about giving what is needed for the next stage to be successful. Question for you. How much energy in your life is spent on what you want to be full right now 
versus energy you spend on helping provide what others need to be successful. Leave it up there for a second. Let them read it. How much energy is spent on what I want to be full versus energy spent on helping provide what other people need to be successful? Thank God Jesus didn't live like that. Because you know why? He'd have never gone to the cross. It's the same reason why I'm not going to kill John William for y'all. I ain't going to put John William, my son, on a cross for y'all. Jesus wouldn't have done it either. Why? Because he'd have been more concerned about what was right for him. Thank the Lord that he didn't live like that. See, we have a big, big problem in the church today, especially the American church. We're selfish. Okay? Like, I'm just going to say it. All right? We're selfish. All right? We don't like the music. I can't worship to that music. I, I don't like the preacher. He talks too fast. And he wears skinny jeans. They're not skinny jeans. They're regular jeans. I'm working on it, okay? <laughs> I'm working on it. I don't like the people because see, one person said something that I didn't really like, and so I just thought I'm gonna, go. and so I'm gonna go on Facebook, and because that's what you do, you know. We will find the tiniest thing to be upset about. Why? Here's why: because we think it's about us. If you want your Bible time to go to the next level, here's something I invite you to do. Stop reading the Bible as a book about you and start reading the Bible as a book about Jesus. Because guess what? It ain't about you. Now, does that mean that we don't need to take some things and apply it? No, absolutely. Like take, take, but, but the Bible exists to show us Jesus, not to show us us. Okay? Don't look now, but that's some more of that outside the circle thinking mess. Okay? Now, while we do need to look into the Bible and glean from the pages and learn and grow and apply and obey and all that, we have to realize it's not about us. We are not the center of the universe. I don't know if you knew that, but teenagers, listen up, guys. <laughs> Just kidding, because I, when I was a teenager, I thought I was the center of the universe. But we're not the center of the universe. I find it interesting, as I was thinking about this, that the sun is the center of our solar system, but not the universe. Our solar system is spiraling around a much bigger center, right? But the sun is the center of our little nine-planet solar system. And by the way, Pluto is a planet. It was a planet in the 80s. It's a planet today, okay? I don't care that it's little. It's a planet. Yet, listen to me. The sun does not exist to receive glory. The S-U-N, the sun, our sun and our solar system does not exist to receive glory. It exists to provide heat and light. That's what it's doing. Listen, we are not the center of our universe. And men... Leading your families, especially listen up to me. You might be the center of your family. God designed the family to be led by a father-mother team where the father is the head. I realize that things happen and that's not always how it works out. But I'm just talking about how God designed the family unit. It's supposed to be a father-mother team where the father is the head of the family. But just like the son exists not to give, not to get, but to give. Come on, dads. You exist to give, not to get. Okay? That doesn't mean you can be neglected and taken advantage of. But it means that you have to focus more on what you're giving to your family than what you're getting. Now, I'm real careful with saying that because I don't want dads out there to think that the preacher's saying that we can be neglected. Not what I'm saying at all. But I'm going to tell you this much. If you are a father and you are more concerned about what you are getting, you're probably not giving much. I love you. But if you want a strong family, it starts with strong men in the family. Come on, guys. 
We have so many women in the church that are leading the charge. And I'm not dissing you. I'm not disrespecting you. I'm not saying that you're a sinner and going to hell. I'm not saying any of that stuff. But what I am saying is this, is if you are here and you're a man and you're trying to live for Jesus, be the man God called you to be. I'm going to tell you something right now. Here's something I learned just this week. The reason why our men's group is so open and they just guys would just talk about anything, like would just pour their guts out. It's amazing. The reason is because a bunch of guys saw a few of us guys who had been in the group for the whole time doing that. Yeah. Hey, they just needed an example to follow. You having a problem with your son? Maybe he just needs an example to follow. Yeah. You having a problem with your daughter? Maybe she just needs a godly mom to show him how. I love y'all too much not to tell you that. Yeah. If you think back on point number one, growing. You say, maybe I'm not. Well, remember I said that selfishness is a big problem in the American church. And the reason is because we become more in love with being filled up than we have of being poured out. Yeah. Listen, we've idolized getting and we've scandalized giving. We made church about what we get rather than worshiping God and encouraging each other like Hebrews 10 tells us to. But we've also scandalized giving. We don't give financially because that preacher just wants your money. Or you've had other past bad soil experiences and so you think because that church is bad soil that this church is bad soil. I'm doing everything we can to be good soil. We're doing everything we can. We don't even pass a plate here. Y'all realize that, right? I've been to church where I'll pass it twice. They'll pass it, count it, no, 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 and pass it again. We don't serve because we don't want to babysit in the back, or we just want to come to one service because the Texans play at 1230. They played last night. Go Texans. All right, but, but you see what I'm saying? We make it all about ourselves, and that's what we don't. I promise, I'm not trying to be mean here, but we have to realize this is nothing other than idolatrous selfishness inside the circle thinking. That's all it is. We can, we can church it up. Dear Tay, like, no, it, don't church it up. It's Joe Dirt. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's, just, it's just plain old Jane old selfishness and idolatry. Your purpose is not to be filled up. Listen to me, church. Your purpose is to be poured out. But we have been so in love with being filled that we forgot that we're supposed to be poured out. Yeah. Some of y'all in here, you're so full that your water's turning. You are supposed to be a flowing river, not a shut-up dam. We're supposed to be flowing. God gives you gifts, talents, and abilities all for the purpose of using them on others. And if you don't believe me, let's go read it. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 8 through 11. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Boy, look at what love does. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. <laughs> hospitality team? as each has received a gift use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God might be glorified through Jesus Christ to him belong the glory and dominion forever and ever and ever it doesn't say to us belong the glory and dominion forever it's not about us your serving is not about you do you know something? We've literally had people walk in and the smile from the hospitality team did more than the message. 
when I was at New Covenant working there, we heard stories about kids that longed to come to kids' ministry because they felt loved there and they didn't at home. It ain't about filling a slot, folks. We're trying to move the kingdom over here. I'm trying to get you outside of your circle so you can be more than you've ever dreamed. When God says above, like more than you could ever imagine or think, whatever you think is the tops that God could do with you, there's more. But you've got to be willing to go outside your circle for it. Being poured out is what God wants for us. But when we get locked into our own circle and stop looking beyond it, we begin to focus on our cup and how filled up our cup is. We walk in out here real close because we don't want to slosh any water out. I'm telling you, when you walk out the doors of this church, I hope you're throwing some water over at Family Dollar and throw it over to Boot Barn and like go to Walmart. Just get water all over the dodor and all. Like do what you can. If it isn't filled, we try to find ways to fill it in our own power. And it causes us to be selfish and entitled. But you cannot fill yourself with what's only in your circle. Inside your circle is self-contained. You only have what you have. Read something today that said, preachers, if you're getting to writing blocks when you're writing sermons, it ain't because you're at a writer's block, it's because you're empty. You know what I'm saying? At some point, the source will run dry. This is why it's so important to start with God as your source and tap into him outside your circle because of his never-ending supply. His never-ending supply will always keep you filled up. Let me tell you something. If God's asked you to pour out, don't you think that he's going to take care of filling you up? A huge lie is that we should long to be filled. No, we should long to be emptied. We should long for being emptied. This is how Jesus lived. Consider when he predicted his death. And, and then not only consider it when he predicted it, but look at how the disciples responded. It's amazing. Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 21. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside. Okay, Jesus Christ, the living God, and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and looked at Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. Remember, he'd already changed Peter's name from a wind that blow, reed that blows with the wind to a rock. And now he's calling him not a cornerstone, but a stumbling block now. You see how easy the devil can twist your calling and make it something that stumbles people? You see that? In one minute, Peter's saying, you're the son of the living God. Peter, you're a rock. And on this rock, I'll build my church. And on the other hand, Peter's rebuking Jesus because Jesus is thinking outside the circle and Peter's thinking inside the circle. And Jesus says, you've become a stumbling block, not a cornerstone. My God. My then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Looking at this passage through the lens of being poured out makes this last verse make so much more sense to me than it ever has. That last verse is whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. I always thought that being I need to take on the suffering and like bear the cross, you know, <laughs> I'm walking through Walmart, you know, bearing my cross. Like that's what I always thought it was. But what if taking that cross wasn't about enduring the pain, but rather about being full of joy for being poured out? Have you ever, have you ever thought that when Jesus was walking to Calvary, I've always seen him in such pain and agony. But what if he was experiencing joy? 
What if he was experiencing joy knowing that he was being poured out for you? You're so worried about being filled up. He was just worried about you being himself being poured out for you. I've never thought of it like that, but all of a sudden this has made me change how I see that. You know something that's going to require you to deny yourself. Did Jesus really have joy in being poured out? I'm so glad you asked. Hebrews chapter 12. It's my favorite chapter in the whole Bible. I love it. Hebrews 12, 12, and 13, my favorite two verses. But listen to this at the beginning. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so clings, which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Look at this. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Come on, Jesus. If you want to know where you are in the Bible, there's one spot. It's right there. For the joy that was set before him, he saw you. Yeah, busted up, broken, old, dirty you. Yeah, you. Me too. Because I'm standing right there next to you. Broken and worried about what's inside my circle too. We just think about ourselves. And all he thought about was us. Paul understood this. He understood the joy of being poured out. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, he gets to this part with verse 6, where he says, I'm being poured out as a drink offering in the time of my departure has come. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only for me, but also all who have loved his appearing. There's a section in the Bible in the New Testament where it talks about everything that Paul endured, all the beatings, almost died multiple times, all the pain that Paul went through. He saw it as joy. Do you see your struggle as joy? Do you? Now, there's, there's, struggle, there's struggle that comes with sin. You should not get joy from that. But, but there's, there's struggle that comes with you doing what God called you to do. And can I tell you something? It's so much easier to live in this world as a sinner than it is a saint. This world is against you as a saint. So there's struggle. But in that struggle, there's, there's joy. I'll be honest with you. Not every single part of planting a church has been fun. I've been betrayed three years in a row by people close to me. I should just throw in the towel, shouldn't I? No, you know why? Look around. This is the joy that I see. God's like, Corey, your life has changed, man. Your family's changed. Why would I let something like betrayal by one person, stop me. You know why? Because I refuse to think inside my stupid little circle. It's so much bigger than my circle. We have to think bigger. When you love being poured out more than you love being filled up, you're thinking outside the circle. When we long to be filled, we only care about what's inside the circle. But when we long to be emptied, we only care about what's outside the circle. I don't want to be filled to be full. I want to be filled so I can be poured out. 
And I only come to that conclusion when I see that what's outside the circle is more important than what's inside the circle. So why go outside the circle to grow, to be poured out? Let me give you the last one quickly. It's to change. To change. Normally we think of something changing as altering something or replacing an existing thing with a new one. That's a pretty good definition, but to change, something has to happen. An idea or a word or an event, a force has to initiate that change in our lives. Uh, A guy named Billy Cox said it like this, life will only change when you become more committed to your dreams than you are to your comfort zone. Billy dropping knowledge. But if you want to change your actions, you have to change your beliefs. And if you want to change your beliefs, you have to change your thoughts. That's how things change. There's one change that will change everything, and this is where we're going to land today. You need to change how Jesus fits into the equation of your life. And that has to start with what you think about Jesus. A lot of people know Jesus. A lot of people recite his name, especially when they hit their thumb with a hammer. A lot of people know about Jesus. But if he isn't Lord, you're never going to reach your potential. Well, that's a harsh statement. I ain't say it. He, he, said, he said it. John 15, 5. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Apart from me, you can't do anything. It's that simple. Uh, we can't dress it up and make ourselves feel better about it. It's that simple. If you're not connected with Jesus, sell away your potential. It's gone. This is an easy fix, though. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, If you confess with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For it's with the mouth that we confess and the heart that we believe. Come on, that's, it's that simple. Oh, I got to be at the altar, and it's got to be the quiet music. and the. No, it doesn't. Close your eyes right now while I'm talking on, and just say, Jesus, you're Lord. I confess you as Lord. I believe in you. I want to be connected to you. I know I'm a sinner. Like, Help me. Like, save me. Look, I don't have to have your name on some card so I can brag to the other pastors about it around town either. Could care less. All I want to know is that Jesus knows. That's it. Make him Lord. But, But if he is already Lord, then can I invite you to change how you see your circle around your feet? Can I invite you to change that? If you think all you need is inside that circle, then you're going to miss your potential. You have to realize that what we need is outside our circle, including Jesus. Why? Because until you realize that what you need is outside your circle, Jesus will always be a supplement to you, not the source. And for so many people, Jesus is the supplement. He's our Sunday B12 shot. But he's not our source. Prove it, preacher. What happens when a bill comes in you can't pay? you automatically start figuring out how I can get more overtime. Or what can I sell in the yard? <laughs> that toilet's been sitting out there. Let's... <laughs> am, I, am I lying? A problem will quickly identify your source. And if what's inside the circle is more important than what's outside the circle, then you're always going to see Jesus as a supplement. And you're always going to see other people around you as potential liabilities. What will happen as a result of that? Well, you're going to try to power through in your circle rather than leaning on Jesus outside of it. He sees my problems, though. Yeah, he already knows about your problems. And guess what? Most people already know about your problems, too. We live in a small town. All right? It's amazing what you see on Facebook. 
It's amazing what people share on Facebook. Like, is there hypothalamus broken that filters? What the, okay, sorry, another message. He's, he's going to see my struggles. Do you think that just because the lights are off, he can't see what you're doing? Jesus, no, that, I'm not, I know that sounds silly, but old school Orthodox Jewish tradition thought that. That you couldn't sin at night because Jesus couldn't see it. Or because God couldn't see it. I mean, okay. But guess what? He already sees them. Can I say something else? Most people already do too. No, I'm better. I'm a better secret keeper. Not really. <laughs> He's going to see my weakness. Yeah. And that was a big problem for me. That's why I wrote Walk Around Grace, that little booklet out there. It's because I was always trying to prove to Jesus how much I loved him and how committed I was to him by powering through when I had moments in my life where I was struggling. So rather than allowing Jesus to pour grace into the crevice, I'd try to go down and show him I could come out the other side. Or, Jesus, I don't care how big the mountain is, I'll climb the mountain to show you how much I love you. How stupid is that thinking? It's just ridiculous. It's masochistic thinking at the best. And so I'd never wanted to operate in my weakness because I felt like if I was weak, especially if I showed people around me that I was weak, that orphan spirit would come back out and they would not want to interact with me or not want to give me responsibilities or I couldn't advance in that organization because they see weakness in me. But guess what? Second Corinthians chapter 12. Here's what Paul says. But he says to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. What? Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly. I will boast about my weaknesses so that Christ's power might be strongly. I will you boast about your weakness. Absolutely. I used to pray every single day. God, will you let me get to my weakness as fast as possible? Because that means I can rely on your strength. So pick. Pick which one. Inside the circle and weak. Or outside the circle and strong. If you look outside the circle, even now in this moment, not only is Jesus here to help, but you have a church family around you that has committed you to you reaching your highest potential in Christ Jesus as well. And don't worry about the dirtiness inside your circle. Guess what? We all got some dirt in our circle. Can I tell you what I really would love to see happen in your lives today? A few things. First, I'm, I'm asking you to stop focusing on the circle. I'm asking you to look outside the circle. Absolutely. I'm, I'm asking you to give your time, talents, Give you resources. Think about what's outside of your circle more than what's inside of your circle. I'm asking you to find a spot to serve in the kingdom. Thinking of it as an org chart is thinking of it the wrong way. How can God use you to make a difference? I'm asking you to look beyond your own needs and discover ways to be a blessing to those who are around you. You know what else I'm asking you to do? I'm, I'm asking you to... Um, I'm asking you to erase the circle. Make it go away. Stop focusing on the circle. Start focusing on people around you. Here's why. Because when you're willing to pour out your life for those outside the circle, you'll find how beautifully God will fill up what's inside the circle. Can I tell you something? You want God to fill your circle you want him to when you feel it it comes with stuff in the juice it comes with twigs and dirt and leaves and probably a mosquito with texas but when he fills you up 
you've, you've never tasted something sweeter. But it requires you to think outside your circle. So let's just take a moment and pray. Father, some of us have lived our entire lives only thinking about what's inside of our circle. And God, it's not necessarily that we've woken up and we've been malicious and we've tried to do that, but life circumstances, we've been put in such crazy home lives and environments that protecting what was inside the circle is all that we could think about. And because of that, it's like Satan did his job so well to make sure that we were inwardly focused by putting us in tragic and terrible, terrible environments. But God, we are no longer in that environment right now. We are in your presence right now. And I'm asking you in the mighty name of Jesus to destroy the work of the enemy in people's lives that keeps them focused on what's inside. And give them the courage to open up to somebody. They don't have to tell everybody, but to tell somebody. So they can get some help. God, so that you can come in and wash them clean. That's what we're praying for today. Father, I pray that you would stir people's hearts to give their time, talents, and resources, to jump on a serve team, to dive into a D group, to do everything it takes to get better, to reach their potential, to fulfill their purpose in you. God, I'm asking that you would give me and the, and the leadership team here, the people of our congregation here, wisdom on how to effectively help. Help us respond with truth and grace so that people's lives can be changed forever. And Jesus, it's in your mighty name we pray. You're the one that started this. You're the one who is willing to give yourself so that we could grow. And we thank you for it. In your name, Jesus. Amen. At Freedom, we want to help you have authentic relationships with God and his people, to have real experiences with the Holy Spirit, and to find lasting freedom. If the Holy Spirit speaks to you through this message, or if you want to make a decision for Jesus, please reach out at freedomdl.com connect. For more info on freedom, including service times and location, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening.